accessible to you each and every week. But if you go to our website, cliffterrace.church, you can see, uh, if you click the three lines and then scroll down to the uh, tab that says uh, bulletins and upcoming events, you can click that and it'll take you to a, a, the, the page and the first deal says bulletins and you can actually click each uh, day's bulletins and it will have every slide that we have for that day, including the sermon notes. If it's e- sometimes it's easier to follow along and you can even go back and look at each sermon uh, for, in history as well. And so uh, uh, if you have questions, the reason why I say that is we're going to cover a lot of information today. We're going to cover a lot of information over the next probably six weeks, including today. And so I want to have that available for you so that you can go back and make references to that. But today we're starting a new series, and it's called The Return of the King. And when I say king, I am meaning King Jesus, the ultimate king. Amen? Before we get started, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the very last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. And there are three verses that I want to read to you to begin this series. And three times Jesus speaks in this last chapter. The first one is Revelation 22 verse 7. He says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. And then verse 12, he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. And then in Revelation 22 verse 20, he says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen? I believe it. I believe that he is coming sooner than we've ever thought or possibly could imagine. And I'm going to show you some things that have happened in history and through prophecy. And each week we're going to build on this. And then we're also going to talk about what is it going to look like after, uh, after we have raptured out of here or through the tribulation, through those things. And we're going to take a look at all these things. But if you look up the word soon in the Greek, you would find the word taku, T-A-C-H-U. And it sounds like taco, but it's a very different word. And taku means uh, quickly. That's what it means, quickly. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 27. He said, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And if you've ever seen lightning, you know that it comes quickly, fast. And when Jesus comes back, he's not going to mess around, amen? He's going to come in a flash. And so the question that I have for you today is how soon is King Jesus coming? How soon is King Jesus coming? Now, I think that in the last few months, more people have probably been asking that question more today than ever. Uh, They want to know what is God up to right now? Are we living in what the Bible calls the last days? And if uh, we are in the last days, what should I do? So for the next six weeks, we're going to be answering this question and others. We're going to be looking at prophecies 
that have been fulfilled and those that are to come. And I believe that we are closer to Jesus' return than ever before. You are living in the most strategic time in history. And today, you and I have a greater opportunity to influence the eternal destiny of more people than any previous generation before us. We have more technology that we can use to help spread the gospel. We have more avenues that come our way than we have ever had in history. And I believe today that we, the church, have to look up and have to realize what is happening and that it won't be long before Jesus comes and we need to do everything that we can to tell everybody about his return I also believe that our generation faces a greater temptation to fall away from our faith than any previous generation. And I believe that if we are in the last days, we have nothing to fear because of what Paul told us. Remember, I used this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 in our previous series. For the spirit, of that, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the information that I'm going to give you over the next six weeks, I believe that it'll help you to prepare to walk with Jesus, and you're going to shine for Jesus, you're going to help others come to Jesus in the days leading up to his return. So there are two specific dates that I want, to, that I want you to think about. The first date is June 7th, 1967. That's an important date. And the other one just happened a few years ago, May 14th, 2018. So why are these dates important, you may ask? Well, because significant things happen to the nation of Israel on those days, and what happens to Israel always influences the world, amen? And I also want to be very clear, I'm not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet, But I am a student of the word, and while some of what I tell you today, it it is my own opinion, my opinion has been informed by God's word. So we've all attended school at one point or another, right? Every one of us. We've gone through school, we've studied, we've, we've learned. Some of us stopped at high school, some of us finished college. In every subject you studied, there is one key concept or formula or principle that you must understand if you're going to master that subject. For example, to master math, you've got to understand addition, right? To master English, you've got to understand the verb. To master music, you've got to understand notes. And the same is true for the study of eschatology or the study of end times, If you want to understand the events of the end times, you've got to understand Israel. Israel is the key to eschatology. And ever since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, God has been focused on building a community of people who relate to him by faith. And if you're going to have a community, you've got to have a people. So 4,000 years ago, God began to build a people. He started with one person. His name was Abraham. Look at what God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham responded, and the plan of God began. Abraham is the founder of the nation of Israel. 
Israel was Abraham's grandson. His first name was Jacob, but God would later change it to Israel. And through Israel, God has given us a Savior. Through Israel, God has given us his revelation, the Bible. And if you study the history of Israel, you will find some surprising and astounding things. And today, I want to give you seven events that have already happened to Israel and will help you see just how close we might be to the return of Christ. So I want to encourage you to write this stuff down. If you want my notes later, I'll be happy to give them to you. But here we go. Here are the seven signals that Jesus is returning. Number one, signal number one. Israel has blessed the world. The 4,000-year-old prophecy of blessing has been fulfilled and continues to be fulfilled every day. Every time an individual puts their trust in Jesus, through him, the nation of Israel is blessing the world. Every time someone reads a scripture, the nation of Israel is blessing them. Some of you may be wondering, well, if Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago and the last portion of scripture was written 1,900 years ago, has anything happened more recently to lead you to believe that Jesus might be coming soon? Here we go. 72 years ago, something happened that fulfilled an ancient prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 37. God showed Ezekiel a valley full of dry bones. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 5 and 6 says, This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So what's this talking about? It's talking about something dead coming back to life. Verse 21 of the same chapter makes it more clear. Israel was conquered and scattered in the 6th century B.C., but God brought them back together 70 years later. It was a miracle. And that same thing happened to them a second time. In 70 AD, the Israelites were living under Roman rule. They rebelled and then defeated and exiled them, scattering them throughout the nations. God wanted everyone to know that he wasn't done with Israel. So he said to Ezekiel, write this down. And in verse 21, he said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. So signal two is this. Israel came back into their land. They were scattered by the Babylonians in 606 B.C., under King Cyrus of Persia, they were reunited with their land in 536 B.C. And then you fast forward 2,500 years and God did it again. The Israelites were scattered by the Romans. But after the Holocaust of World War II, Jews from around the world needed a place where they could be safe and free. So in 1947, just a few years ago, the British who controlled what was then called the Transjordan region granted the people of Israel the right to constitute their own nation. And on May 14th, 1948, this is what they did. Not only did Ezekiel foretell this event, but Isaiah did too. 
And if Ezekiel's prediction of Israel becoming a nation seems miraculous, Isaiah's prediction seems over the top because Isaiah asked these questions in Isaiah 66, verse 8. He says, who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. And guess what? That's exactly what happened to Israel in one day in 1948 on May 14th, 1948. So that's the, that's the signal number three. Israel was reborn in one day. Israel went from being a people scattered with no homeland to a self-sustaining, self-sufficient nation recognized by the General Assembly of the United Nations. God said it would happen, and guess what? It did. And once Israel was back in her land, the rest of the world went nuts, (laughs) as you may have read in history. Because of the spiritual undertones of what is always happening with God's plans for Israel, there is always an underlying level of irrationality when it comes to these people. God predicted that too. It is found in Zechariah chapter 12. God said once Israel was back in their land, the nations around them would reel around as if they were drunk. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 2 says, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. You know what kind of people surround the city of Jerusalem? Muslim people. In 1948, when Israel was granted statehood, every one of her Muslim neighbors went nuts. Brings me to number four. Signal number four. The surrounding nations have been staggering. The nations that surround Israel have vowed to drive her into the sea. From 2006 to 2016, the United Nations Human Rights Council criticized Israel 68 times. That's three times more than any other nation. Enemies go berserk over Israel. They send suicide bombers. They rain mortar fire. They dig stealth tunnels. They bring resolution after resolution to the UN. And guess what? God predicted it. He predicted it through the prophet Zechariah. And in case you're wondering, here's something to think about. Zechariah lived around 500 B.C., at a time when Israel wasn't a threat to anybody. They weren't driving anyone crazy. And once the Romans scattered them, there was no Israel to drive anyone crazy. This prophecy, this prediction from God in Zechariah 12 could only be fulfilled after Israel was reconstituted as a nation. May 14th, 1948 was a significant day in history. It was a day God foresaw and planned for, and on that day, God sent a signal to say things were coming towards the end. There's another significant date that came 19 years later in Revelation chapter 11. The Bible predicts that before the Messiah returns, Israel will own its temple mount. Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers. 
But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. 42 months is three and a half years. The book of Daniel tells us that the final seven years of the history of our planet will be a time of tribulation. And the final three and a half of those seven years will be the great tribulation. During that time, all sorts of judgments will come on the people's of the earth. Now, an interesting part of this time is, according to Revelations chapter 11, Israel will possess a temple, but Israel won't possess the property around the temple. That property will belong to the nations. So, Israel is back in their land. Israel controls the land where the temple will reside, and something astounding happened in 1967. In May of that year, Egypt's president, Gamal Nasser, ordered the UN security forces that were serving as a buffer between Egypt and Israel to withdraw from the Sinai Peninsula. He then cut off Israel's access to the Straits of Tehran, severing Israel from a shipping route that was vital to Israel's interest and endangering their national security. As Nasser did that, he began lining his elite troops along Israel's southern border. At the same time, Jordan and Iraq mobilized forces on Israel's eastern border, and then at the same time, Syria mustered her troops on Israel's northern border. Israel has no western border. That's called the Mediterranean Sea. Sensing an imminent attack, Israel launched a preemptive strike. From June 5th to June 10th, 1967, Israel pushed back their Arab enemies on all three sides. They won on every front. And an unexpected result was that Jordan's forces were so overwhelmed, they feared the annihilation of their entire armed forces. So instead of just withdrawing into their section of East Jerusalem, they moved their troops all the way back to the Jordan River, conceding East Jerusalem to the Jews without a fight. Without meaning to, on June 7, 1967, Israel found herself in possession of the Temple Mount. Without fanfare or acknowledgement from the world, June 7, 1967 may be the most important day of our lifetime so far because since that day, signal number five, Israel owns the Temple Mount. In Luke 24, Jesus explains the significance of this, speaking about what will come from the Jewish people for the next 1,900 years. He said in verse 24, they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So from the time of the Roman occupation until June 7, 1967, Gentiles ruled Jerusalem. But on that day, East Jerusalem was united to West Jerusalem under the sovereignty of the Jewish nation, and the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. According to Jesus, we are no longer living in the times of the Gentiles because Jerusalem is no longer being trampled by Gentiles. The next step is for the temple to be rebuilt. There's great opposition to that ever happening. But there are two groups in Israel that are diligently working on it. 
Signal number six. Today, the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. Y'all may remember this. For 50 years, there were claims that Jerusalem wasn't really ruled by Israel because the capital of Israel was Tel Aviv. No one was willing to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's legitimate capital. But on May 14th, 2018, President Donald Trump did what the previous three um, presidents promised to do but never followed through. He moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to downtown Jerusalem. You can Google it. You can, you'll find a picture of our embassy there today. And after Trump's lead, several other nations have followed. There's several that are moving in to Jerusalem and making their embassies there. So that today, Jerusalem is recognized as the capital of Israel. And why is this important? Because the city of Jerusalem is no longer ruled by or trampled by Gentiles. It's ruled by her own people for the first time since 70 A.D. And if this is the first time that you've been exposed to biblical prophecy, then it might sound crazy to you. Amen? But it's all true. And here's the last signal. According to Numbers 19, the only way to cleanse and sanctify the temple is by the ashes of a red heifer, a red cow. According to Jewish tradition, there have only been nine red heifers sacrificed since Moses, and the tenth will herald the messianic age. Three years ago, on August 28, 2018, a red heifer was born in Israel for the first time in 2,000 years. So signal number seven, a red heifer has been born. Numbers chapter 19, verses 1 through 4 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is a requirement of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you a red heifer without defect or blemish, and that has never been under a yoke. Give it to Eleazar the priest. It is to be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Then Eleazar the priest is to take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent of meeting. So, maybe Jesus' return is near. We have so much of the Bible to learn from on this subject. And next week we're going to cover the seven signs that have, that, that have or will happen soon to foretell his soon coming. And then the third week we're going to cover the three most prevalent views of the rapture and what that might be like. But let me tell you what everything that I have said to you today, it means for you. Some people think that the thought of Jesus' return might seem scary. But one of the main reasons that God foretold his coming is not so that we would be scared, but that we would be encouraged. Amen? I love what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18 says. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. God did not tell us about the end to scare us or to discourage us, but he told us about the end to give us encouragement. Amen? And if we're going to live in it, or we're going to live through it, God wants us to be encouraged. 
So if God's return is soon, then here are four ways for you to prepare. Everybody with me? I know I've given you a lot of information. And I want you to understand that with this information that I've given you, if you want to go back and relook at it and digest it and read the scriptures, then let me encourage you. Ask me. I will print off my notes. I will give you notes for you to take home with you and look and study. You need to understand this stuff. I'm not telling you this to scare you. I'm not telling you this to make you afraid. I'm telling you to encourage you. I, as I've been reading this and studying this, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited for what God has waiting for us, for some of the blessings that God wants to pour on us, like things like we've never experienced or understood or, or known before. God has some great and, and wonderful things that's just waiting for us for us to receive and to take in what he's wanting to give us. But here's, here's things that if God's return is soon, here are four ways for you to prepare. Number one, don't be deceived. Jesus warned us that during the end, Matthew 24, 11, he said, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. We're already seeing this today. I want to say this. God never changes. Amen? He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's never changed. What he said in his book 20 years ago is the still for us today. What he said in his, whatever, what they wrote back in the, the uh, uh, B.C. and early A.D. and all that, what was written back then is for us today. We can already see that he foretold about what is to come that is happening today. So there are things that we understand that what God says is true. His word is true, it is for us, so do not be deceived. What God says in the Bible is always true. If you hear someone claiming something counter to Scripture, don't be deceived. One reason we're doing this series is so that you won't be deceived. And I, and I hope you'll be here for every message in the series. I believe it's important that we take this and we understand what God is speaking to us and what God wants us to know, that we hear it, that we study it, and that we understand so that we are encouraged, so that we can go and tell others so that they know. It's important that we get the message out, which brings me to number two. Remain faithful. Keep following Jesus. Resist thinking that this is a time to withdraw from following God or serving God or assembling together for worship. Don't let him uh, sink. Don't let him sink to a secondary priority. Look at the promise that Jesus made in Revelation chapter three, verse eleven. He said, "I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take your crown." The third thing I believe is so important for us today. Pray for revival. There are two things that happen during revival. One is that Christians turn to God in deep sincerity and they flush out any sin that has been hindering their relationship with him. And the other is that people who don't know God come to Jesus in large numbers. Many times in history when a civilization was at a moral low like we are today, God's people prayed and God sent revival. And I believe that that. I believe these are our two choices. Either we revive or he returns, amen? Either we come back to God or God comes back to us. Revival never comes by surprise. 
Revival always comes in response to concerted prayer by God's people. So I ask you again this week to join me every day in praying for revival and prayer that it starts with us. Amen? We need revival. We need God's people to have revival. We need people that don't know Jesus to be revived. He spoke to those bones to live. And I believe that he can speak to us today, the church, the people outside the church, that they can live and have this life that God wants to give us that's so abundantly that we just need to walk and receive what he's given to us. And the fourth thing is we need to draw people to Jesus. The reason God will let all kinds of terrible judgments loose in the final years is to cause people to see their need and turn to God. If we are here during the time in history, it means we have a chance to be more fruitful than any other generation. So please spend some time in prayer. Ask God who you should invite to join you for this series. I believe that this series is important. I believe it's important that we understand what it means What's going to happen? What is happening? Understand God has something great in store for us. And we need to be receptive to receive it. Amen? Amen. This morning, I know I've given you a lot of information. I have just, I've struggled with this, didn't I? I told her, I said, I've got a lot of info. But I have to get through this info for this for the series to move forward. I have to get through this for you to understand. A lot of time, I, and I was one that you know what I didn't think a lot about Israel. I knew stuff. I knew that it was significant. I knew that it happened. I knew that they were God's people. Blah blah blah. But I didn't really think a whole lot about because I was one of those that I didn't think a lot about studying about end times either. And can I just be honest and tell you why I always thought, well, we should live in the now. But here's the thing. I don't believe that it's just about living in the now. I think we need to understand why we are here and what's the point of us being here so that we can go and minister to others and to speak to others and let them know who God is, who Christ is, what he is here for, what he's come to do. Why are we his people? Why is it he loves us? Why is it he cares for us? And why is it that we're living this Christian life? It's not just so that we can cash in our paychecks and go to Jesus someday. God is preparing a place. He has a magnificent place waiting for us. And it's for us to invite and have other people go with us because God's plan is far greater and it's far more detailed than what we ever think or imagine. God has something great for us. Amen? Can we pray? Let's pray. God, we just love you. God, we just praise you. God, you've given us so many promises in your word. God, you've spoken through your prophets, given us prophecies, and we've seen those prophecies fulfilled in the last few years. And God, I believe that you are sooner to come than ever before. And even though we may not know the exact date or the hour, we know that we can be prepared to receive you when you do come. We can be prepared 
personally. We can walk in step with you. And that you have so many amazing things that are happening that we can receive, that we can understand, and that we can know. That as you are continuing, as prophecies are being fulfilled, as your word is being fulfilled, that you spoke to our hearts. And so God, I pray for every person that's in here, God, that if they do not know you, then I pray that they ask you to come and be a part of their life. God, if there's anybody here that has not accepted you as as their Lord and Savior, if there's anybody who's watching this program today that has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, then God, I, I pray they take this moment, this opportunity to turn to you and to ask you to be the Lord of their life, to be the King of their life, that you would reign supreme in their life, as they would surrender and submit to you so that they can be a part of this journey, this life that is going to be waiting for them. So God, I, I pray that you speak to their hearts today. Speak to their hearts. God, I pray for those that, that are here, that, are, that, are, that love you. I pray that they will make it a point to pray for revival, to pray for you to touch and move in their hearts, move in their lives. I pray right now that you would touch them and minister to them, God, that you would have them cry out for you. Cry out. God, do a work in this church. Do a work in your people. God, that we go forth and we we share your gospel, we share your word with those that are in need of you. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to ask you a question this morning. If you're here and you've not asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, but you want to take that moment, that opportunity, and you want to commit your life to Him, you want to surrender your life to Him. You know, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you can be saved. That means that everything that you've ever done, every sin can be forgiven. It can be washed away as if it never happened. See, today you may be here and you recognize that you need God's grace. You need God's mercy. You need God's love. You need His forgiveness. You need to change. I want you to know this is not something that you can earn. It's not something that any of us deserve. But it's a gift that is freely given to you. And that's why you're here today. It's time to say yes. Today, by faith, give Jesus your life. And if this is you, either you're here in this service or you're watching at home, then I want you to say this prayer with me. Can we all say this prayer together? Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today I give my heart to you. Come into my life. Make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. I am not my own. But I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer today, I want you to know 
that your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Jesus is welcoming you into his kingdom someday when you leave this life. And we may not even get to pass away in this life. We may be raptured out of here someday. But if we've asked Jesus to come into our heart, we've accepted Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, then we will get to be with him. And today what I spoke to you about is just the beginning. There's even more. There's more that is there. There's more that is waiting for us. God has so many things that he wants to teach us and he wants to tell us. And I know there's a lot of information I'll be giving you over the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you today and I want you to understand that God has something far greater for you than you ever could imagine. Hallelujah. God is good, amen? Are you encouraged this morning? I've been reading over this, and the more I read about it, the more excited I'm getting about it could be sooner than I've ever thought. You see the things that have been fulfilled, that are being fulfilled, and to know that God's got a plan. And the plans that God have are pretty amazing, amen? pretty exciting so what we're going to do is can we go can you go get the kids or did you send her a message or so our kids are going to come here in just a moment they're going to collect uh for bgmc i brought my barrel it's not a barrel it's a bag i've been collecting all year here i'm not i mean not all year but hopefully you got your change your dimes nickels quarters dollars five dollars twenty dollars we haven't we haven't taken up for bgmc in a, a couple of months because we've been we've been collecting money for uh speed of light and uh so uh this gives an opportunity this is a way that our kid you know speed of light is how our youth raises money for missions bgmc is the way our kids raise money for uh missions it stands for boys and girls missionary challenge and uh so we challenge our kids to do what they can to give we have given two thousand dollars this year already for bgmc so that's that's that has uh, matched what we gave last year so uh we are you're doing good thank you for helping us raise money and so anything that goes in today we will uh, uh, uh send off to uh we'll have one more month that we can collect for this year December also if you've not picked up any envelopes yet and you would like to help the youth with their fundraiser for speed of light that board's out there in the foyer and you can pick up an envelope you can uh, put the money in the envelope write a check put that in the offering and uh, we can uh, we'll get that in as well um, so they're doing good they they're they've raised over two thousand dollars this year uh, for speed of light so I mean we we're, we're seeing God do some great things. So here our kids are. They're going to come and, and collect. Y'all ready? <clears throat> There's a barrel in there too. You want to dump this in there? <laughs> you almost dumped it, didn't you?
Anybody else that didn't get to? Anybody? Didn't they do a great job? Um, I got a, a few announcements, then we're going to pray over the offering. Uh, first, the first announcement is if you are going with the ladies uh, this Saturday, uh, the, this, this, the sign-up sheet is in the uh, information, information center. I can't talk, y'all. I apparently forgot how to talk since I've started. Um, but the information uh, sheet's at the... Inf- the sign-up sheet... Is at the information center. If you would like to go, you can sign up. If you have any questions about what's happening or with the times or anything, you can see Lisa. She can let you know about what's going on. Also, November 20th, two things are, well, three things are happening that day. The first thing is men's breakfast. We're not going to have it here on location. We're going to go to Denny's. Uh, so if you would like to go to men's breakfast uh, that day, that'll be the 20th of December. So that's a couple of weeks away still. But, um, we're going to, November 20th, what did I say, December 20th? Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about, uh, maybe. <laughs> November 20th, not December 20th, that's a Monday. Uh, November 20th, uh, we're going to go to Denny's and, uh, and eat we'll, at 8.30, like our normal time, and we should still have plenty of time to get back here and help with the uh, food pantry. And then also, if you would like to help decorate the church for Christmas, you can see Kelly. We're going to do it on the 20th of November, and she'll tell you when, what, be here at 9. And, uh, but she can, if you're going to help her, you can, at, you can get with her after service. Uh, youth tonight, 6 o'clock, and let's pray over the offering. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we could come and be here today in your house. I pray that you would be with each and every person that's here. God, I just pray that you would just continue to touch our hearts. Bring everyone back here next week to receive from your word once again. God, I pray that you bless this offering. Bless each and every person that gives. Help us to be the church that you want us to be. To go into the areas that you want us to go. To continue to spread your word. And we give you all the praise. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.